Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices with some practitioners in the field. I am your host, Kristen Yorka, and I'm here with Christina Rosso Schneider, who is a writer, bookshop owner, and occult workshop teacher. Thank you for being here, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. So today we're going to talk mostly about rituals, specifically rituals for fall, which I believe you know plenty about. But first, we'd, I'd like everyone to get on the same page on what exactly is a ritual. So can you share with us what a ritual is for you? Yeah, so I feel like so many things can be a ritual, but uh, you know, you would define a ritual as a, a ceremonial act or action. Um, but it can be, it doesn't have to be something that, you know, has all of these steps involved in it um, and has all of these materials. It can be something as simple as having a clear intention when you're cooking, for instance. That's something I've been trying to do a lot lately as I've been cooking and baking, being home more, um, is, is making it more ritualized by, um, you know, being grateful for the ingredients that I have and speaking to them as I'm working with them and asking them to work together. So it can be something as simple as that or something, um, you know, much more involved where, you know, you're doing different types of magic or you're doing it in a group setting. Um, it can really so being, be... Oh, sorry. Being aware. Sorry, it's okay. Being aware and engaged while you're doing things sounds a little bit like now the word is mindfulness that's everywhere. Is there a difference between mindfulness and ritual or it kind of works together i think they work together i feel like you in order to participate in any type of ritual you need to be mindful in that act um, i very much believe that magic comes from within and so you're not going to create magic unless you're in tune to that moment and that thing that you're trying to accomplish and i think mm -hmm. that directly ties into ritual okay and so now we, I feel we need to define magic. So what does magic mean for you? Uh, magic to me is manifesting something from yourself. Um, so it's very, for me, very aligned with the self. And then, you know, crystals and herbs and anything you use outside of yourself are just tools to actually create that magic. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like in order to create magic and be in ritual, there needs to be some element of self-awareness, right? Absolutely. There needs to be a process where you become more self-aware. Now, does the ritual help you become more self-aware or do you need to be self-aware to create or be in manifestation? I think it goes both ways. Um, you know, some of the ritual, a lot of the ritual work I do is based around intention setting and, and looking at what also and about releasing what isn't serving me. So that's a, I'm doing the ritual to get to the heart of what is going on with me um, mm -hmm. and, and what is working, what isn't working, what I want to keep and what I want to release. Um, so I feel like they, they feed each other. So through ritual, you can become more self-aware, but also there needs to be some form of self-awareness to get into the ritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. If um, So did you start off with ritual in your own journey to the life you lead now, do you think ritual was where you started or was there some other process? Like, um, did you begin to meditate first or maybe you were into crystals and candles and then it led into this um, practice? So I, 
have been doing um, meditation and forms of yoga for over a decade. And so um, I've taken some meditation classes and that definitely um, helped me start to, you know, hone in on my mind and my spirit and my body all at the same time. Uh, but it really wasn't until I started taking classes um, on different types of magic that I started to find ritual in the way that I use it today. Um, so several years ago, I took a candle magic class and that just opened the doors for all of this for me because um, for the first time I felt like I could harness the power that I had or I wanted to have within myself. Um, and, and I really liked the aspect of dressing a candle and using crystals or herbs with it, adding glitter to it, um, that I could, I could have like a craft part of it, which I really <laughs> enjoyed, um, while also having that, um, like the self, the self care aspect of it. Yeah. There's something really tactile to those type of rituals that I don't feel we get when we're just not just meditating, but when we're only meditating, um, there's kind of an embodiment process that comes that I think um, really um, creates the sense of like, I am also part of this thing that I'm manifesting, if that makes Absolutely. any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also when you're working with something, at least for me with working with candles, because I can physically see change happening between, mm -hmm. you know, the flaming wick and the melting wax, um, it feels like also what I'm trying to manifest, whether it's, you know, self-awareness or it's, you know, money or whatever it is, mm -hmm. that I feel like it's actually happening because not only am I working on it, but I can see a change physically happening in my tool. Right. And I think we also need to um, address a little bit. I think people have the misconception that you, if you do ritual and then it's like instant, like you see it on Bewitched, right? Like you do your candle magic and then bing, bada, boom, you got whatever you were asking for. And I think either people get turned away because they think it's ridiculous that that can't, uh, obviously can't happen in this material world. Or if it doesn't happen for them instantly, then they walk away this doesn't work. Obviously, I tried it and it's, it's nothing. Um, so what is the process, at least for you, between the ritual and the thing you're trying to manifest? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, uh, one of the classes I teach through the store is a Candle Magic 101. And I just recently taught one um, as a part of our virtual Witch 101 series this fall. And I always say exactly what you were just saying of I'm not going to light this candle and I'm going to get a new job, right? It's it's not as simple as that. If it was, everyone would do it, right? Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. It does deter some people that, that work is involved in magic right. um, as it is in most things. So for me, it's, you know, always coming to it with a clear intention before I do anything else. So that might involve some meditation. Um, that might involve some journaling. Um whatever might get me to that place. Sometimes it's taking a walk with my dog to get what that clear intention is, um, you know, as specific as possible. And then from there, I decide what tool I want to use. I often use candles. So um, I decide if I'm going to dress a candle or maybe I'm going to make my own candle. Um, and I decide, uh, you know, what oils might I want to anoint it with? If I'm doing something for abundance, I have a really excellent, uh, 
abundance oil that a friend of mine who owns um, Belladonna's Botanicals that's local in Philly makes. Um, I might use um, certain crystals that correspond with abundance. Um, I love using spices um, in my spell work, particularly cayenne and cinnamon, if I want to give it that little extra. And so I'll start to do that kind of crafting part I was mentioning of dressing my candle um, and imbuing it not only with my energy, but with the intention that I want to set. And then if I am using a candle, uh, for me, I always come up with either a specific mantra for that intention, or I have for like creativity purposes, a mantra that I go to time and time again, and I'll repeat it to myself, usually out loud as well. Um, three times feels good to me. I light my candle as I'm saying this, and then I get to work. So it's like you do the ritual, mm -hmm. you have that mindfulness, you do all of those steps, and then it's like, okay, if this candle is for a specific project I'm working on, then while that candle's burning, I'm on my computer writing, or I am submitting, mm -hmm. or I'm um, I'm thinking about that project. And so for me, it's it's very in tune to that, um, to doing it all. You know, you do the steps, but it's all connected to one another. Yeah, and I think what you're speaking on, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, is the ritual itself kind of sears it into your memory because there's now a physical memory, a mental memory, an emotional memory to this ritual. So whatever it is you're, you're trying to create, because sometimes it's a long process, like submitting a book is a long pro can be a long process. Uh, starting a business is a long process. Um, finding your beloved or whatever it is you were trying to manifest in your life is a process. And at least for me, it keeps me from giving up, right? Because you have that memory in your mind of, of all this work that you did in your ritual and you were physically doing it, you're mentally going through it. And, and I think that's part of the magic too, that it lives somewhere in your subconscious, even when things get difficult. Yeah. Is that I, true? For you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you just explained that because I don't think I've quite thought of it in that way, but it speaks so true to, to the process. And also, you know, especially with larger projects, you're not going to burn a candle in a couple hours and manifest that thing, right? So it's something you're going to keep coming back to, and you need to be able to tap back into that memory, that experience, to get back to that place, to get that intention, uh, you know, to be there, present again. Um, or you might be reworking that intention as you're going. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's it's great to think of it as as a memory that you're building physically within yourself. I think also, at least um, my relationship with ritual, at least in the earlier years, I would discover that through this process of creating the ritual, that maybe what I thought I wanted to manifest wasn't really what I wanted. And I think that's a self-exploratory thing that I think people are like, oh, I'm going to manifest money or whatever it is, and I'm going to do this candle thing, and then money will be here. And then as you're going through the process, you realize maybe money wasn't the thing you wanted. Maybe it was actually you're your lacking love or self-love in your life or creativity or some kind of new job that gets you excited. I think that's, um, is that true for you? Um, do yeah. you go through ritual and then halfway through you're like, wait, <laughs> maybe there, not. There are definitely times that happens. I feel like I, it doesn't, I don't experience it a ton because I think of it in a similar way as, so I used to teach at a university and I taught like English 101 kind of courses. Mm -hmm. 
And so, so much of it was teaching my students how to get to a really small specific topic to write their papers on. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm already in that mindset just in my life. Um, but there are definitely times where even something feels really specific. Actually, I think I might have the opposite problem is sometimes my intention will be too specific. And then I realize that maybe that's not what the next step for my writing should be, for instance, that maybe I need to take a step back and it's more so examining my writing process as a whole, that sometimes I get too zeroed in because of that. Yeah. So you're missing like the big, the bigger picture. Yeah. Sometimes I have too much of laser focus. Yeah. <laughs> like I always used to say, leave room for the magic, right? Like if Absolutely. we're too specific, then we, we might be aiming at the wrong thing or not yeah. the wrong thing but maybe too specifically on one thing yeah absolutely so when we're doing these rituals is there for you is there a like an abridged version like would you say there's a beginning middle and end like are there certain elements that must be present in a ritual to make it a ritual or to make it effective i so i'm very much in the belief that uh magic should be intuitive and so uh while I might have specific things that I do, um, I try to be open with myself to change that up. And when I'm teaching, I always tell students that they really should follow what feels right for them in that moment. So, um, I mean, I don't think I do any type of ritual without a candle involved because that mm -hmm. just is my happy place. Um, mm -hmm. And I have crystals all over my house. <laughs> um, so, and, and like I mentioned, there's certain spices that I find myself going to again and mm -hmm. again, but also like, let's say I'm at the bookstore working and I want to work on a project and I don't have that specific candle and I don't have any crystals on hand. Um, I don't believe that that keeps me from being able to, to work on that intention and work towards manifesting it because I can get myself back into the mindset, um, through mindfulness, through meditation, or just taking a second to repeat my mantra to myself, um, that I can I can create magic, and I believe anyone can, no matter where they are. Um, but there are certainly things, like I just mentioned, that I prefer to have with me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think ritual can is such a personal thing to to anyone doing it. Um, even if you're doing it in a group setting, you know, there's agreements that you're coming into right. and talking about what you feel comfortable with what tools you want to use everything like that um and i primarily practice uh, solitarily so uh so for me it's it's taking what in that moment feels right for me so there aren't necessarily uh set steps but there's always in the beginning some form of grounding myself before i get mm -hmm. started um and i always by the end try to offer gratitude um whether it's it's towards uh, a deity, whether it's towards myself um, or or towards the like anyone who helped me get there. Like maybe I I read mm -hmm. part of a ritual that someone had posted and I took part of it, um, or a friend gave me a suggestion for a spice to use. You know, honoring those that help along the way is important. I think always by the end of a ritual. So there's definitely a container we're creating in ritual, correct? There's absolutely a beginning and an end to a ritual. I forget who said it, but, um, and you could, if you know who it is, let me know. But some very wise person said, what makes something sacred is us drawing a circle around it and naming it so, right? So it's like, there's a part of the ritual that I believe if it has a container, a beginning or an end, then it solidifies it into this magical space apart 
from the rest of our lives. Yeah. Would that be correct to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, sometimes that literally manifests in casting a circle. Um, <laughs> I did a, a full moon ritual in a group setting recently uh, and we cast a circle and closed out the circle at the end. And that was really powerful and really beautiful. And I loved that. Um, and it felt right in that instant. But if I'm like baking something and trying right. to make it ritualized, I'm maybe not casting a circle in that way, but I'm still- <laughs> Throwing salt around your kitchen. <laughs> right. But there are still, like we talked about, like there's still like a structure to it to make it mm. feel contained. Right. I think when I first started doing ritual, I would get very overwhelmed because I would try to be too elaborate. Um, so for some folks that might be getting started or looking for a simple way to begin to engage in ritual, could you walk us through a, a short ritual um, in a detailed way that someone could perform maybe after this chat or whenever they'd like? Yeah, so um, I was thinking that I would do something different than what I had posted, the ritual to honor a departed loved one, um, because folks can read that and see kind of exactly um, what I would suggest there. But since we are coming up on uh, Samhain and the Witch's New Year, I thought I could walk us through a very simple um, ritual for releasing um, whatever isn't serving you at the end of the year. And I like to do this as this time of year um, to mark, you know, especially after 2020, what I might <laughs> want to release. Um, so uh, I'm calling this Witch's New Year uh releasing ritual. Um, and so you only need a handful of things. And also, if you don't have these things on hand, you can always, uh, you know, get creative. I'm, I'm very much in the camp that you should use what you have in hand and what feels right and not feel like you have to go out and buy, you know, a million things. I mean, you certainly can. There are so many beautiful <laughs> things. And sometimes I'm like, I need this. Um, but that that it doesn't have to be something super costly. And it, and if you don't follow this exactly, it's not going to impact the ritual as long as you know, you have the intention and, and, and you're, you're committed to it. Mm. Uh, so uh, you'll want small squares or pieces of paper, some kind of writing utensil, um, matches or a lighter and a fire safe dish or bowl as your tools. Um, and so I like to start off by, as we've been talking about, um, grounding myself. So taking a few minutes to meditate, maybe do some yoga, whatever helps you to, to, um, to center in this moment. And during this time, start to think about some of the following questions. Uh, what have you harvested this year? What have you lost? Um, where did you find that you were triumphant? Um, and where did you fall? I don't like to use the word fail, but maybe where did you fall? Um, what do you want to take with you into the next year? And then the last question, though you could ask yourself additional questions, but um, for this purpose, um, what do you want to release? Um, and then it's optional. You can write down these thoughts as they come up for you. If journaling might be, be more of your thing, you could pull tarot cards to help you get to this point. Um, you could even sometimes what I'll do is pull specific cards that feel aligned with either how I'm currently feeling or where I hope to be. So you could do that as well for this. Um, and then on those small pieces of paper, you're going to write down anything that you want to release or anything that is no longer serving you. Um, and the so small you pieces of papers are the squares. Yeah, the little squares. Okay. 
Um, I sometimes, you know, it could be like literally scraps of paper. Sometimes I use post-its. If I feel like I have (laughs) more to say, I have a ton of post-its. So so (laughs) I I do that. Um, Again, use things you have around the house, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And when you're ready, um, you can take each piece of paper one at a time and um, say, with this flame, I release X. And you would fill in whatever you've written on that one of those pieces of paper, you would light it on fire. Um, So this is you releasing it. Um, So with this flame, I release X. And you'll do this for each piece of paper and then um, make sure you have your fire safe bowl or dish nearby so you don't burn yourself or set anything on fire. Um, And and you're using the same candle? You're you're using, you could use a candle or you could literally use a lighter. Um, It's whatever, whatever you feel like you want to use for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you can use the same one throughout, the same match. I mean, you could even, if you wanted to, use the flame of one piece of paper to light another one. It's, oh. it's really your your preference there. Um, but make sure that in, you're not burning yourself or setting anything on fire. Put it in your fireproof dish. Um, and, and once you're done, you know, if there's something you want to say, um, you know, so may it be, or if there's uh, a mantra you want to say, maybe you say something as simple as, um, you know, I look forward to what I can harvest in the next year. Um, And then uh, it's up to you how you want to dispose of the ashes. Um, You can bury them. Um, If you want, you could do something just like throw them out. Sometimes I keep them. Um, Sometimes it's a, like a reminder and I'll like put them Mm -hmm. in a jar for later. But that's just a really simple uh, ritual that you can do at this time of year to to release anything that isn't serving you any longer. And I think what's beautiful about these rituals, too, is that you don't have to believe in any certain deity or any at all if you wanted to. Or you could be very specific within your belief system and speak to an archetype or deity that um, you connect with. Absolutely. Um, and I, so I specifically wanted to share one that wasn't to, for a specific deity, but you can always, you know, adjust and modify these to, to fit specifically with your practice and your beliefs. Mm-hmm. And then saying that we, we did speak on that this is the time and fall and these rituals usually fall around Samhain or the witch's new year. Um, for those that are not familiar with Samhain, can you speak a little bit about what that, um, that is? Yeah, so a lot of us know it as Halloween this time of year, Um, but in the witch's calendar, it's Samhain, which is also the witch's new year. And at this time of year, um, you know, it's very reflective of what the earth is doing. You know, we're starting, I mean, not counting global warming, um, but the earth is starting to to literally die and get ready to hibernate for winter. And so that's really what this, this season is about. It's when the the veil is thinnest between the planes. Um, so it's a great time to honor and remember the dead. It's um, If you're interested in communicating with the dead and that's in your practice, it's a wonderful time for that. Um, and it's also a really good time for banishing work um, as well as, as work to, to start to um, release like we just talked about and start to look ahead for what you might wanna work on moving forward. Um, also this year on Samhain uh, also falls the full moon. So that's really magical. Um, and the full moon is an excellent time for, for many different types of rituals, but I usually do release work or banishing work on the full moon. 
Um, so you can Beautiful. get all in tune with that if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about it after this year. Um, but after you wrote um, your ritual for de uh, deceased loved ones, I believe that was the title, mm -hmm. our ritual for the dearly departed, um, which is a beautiful ritual. I, and it's on our website, I went and tried to find a picture of my great grandmother. Um, uh, my family came as refugees to this country, so we don't have pictures beyond my, my grandparents. Um, so I thought it was really great that even setting the intention, like I'm, I wanna see this, these ancestors of mine for the first time, you know, um, I'm an adult now, um, even setting that intention put into motion the beginning of this ritual, which led to me finally seeing a picture of my great grandmother that I'd never seen before. Um, and then going, and then I wanted to put it on the ritual altar, like you described, but it was a digital photo, like burned and, and old. Um, so I digitized it and I printed it out and I gave it to my grandmother who hadn't seen a picture of her mother um, since she left uh, Cuba, you know, 40 years ago. Um, and that in itself began this ritual. I haven't sat down and properly set the altar or anything, but it set in motion this, this ritual. And it was kind of a release. It was a release of this unknowing right um so i thought that was really beautiful and i wanted to thank you for that because it set in motion these this process and this ritual that i'm really excited to be able to do hopefully before saw and before halloween oh that's so amazing thank you so much for sharing that and i'm glad that you got something out of that ritual yeah um and i think and there is a, a sense of a release and a a grief process um, that goes along with some of these rituals, whether what you're releasing is something that no longer serves you, even those, those things that no longer serve us, sometimes we're really attached to. It's who we and used to be. Sometimes they're people. Right. And sometimes they're people. outside of ourselves. Right. <laughs> right. And there's, there's a, a grieving process that goes along with the, these rituals and this season. Um, and I was hoping you could speak on to the importance of ritual in the grieving process. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, I find, especially at this time of year that I'm thinking a lot about uh, grief, about loss, um, about longing. Um, and I think not only is it because of, of this time of year and the veil being so thin, because I definitely feel that but I also feel like for whatever reason, October is a month where people experience a lot of loss um, and then like really wonderful abundance. So it's like highs and lows this time of year. So, um, you know, I got married in October. So I always start the month really excited, but I lost my my mom, mom a couple years ago at the end of October, almost on Samhain, just a couple days before. Um, and I know so many, I have so many friends and, and loved ones who've lost someone either this month, this year, or, or in the past around this time. Mm -hmm. So I find that I, I try to have gratitude for all of the good things happening. It's also a really busy time for publishing in October. Um, I find during this time that I, I try to both be very grateful for everything that's happening, but also try to honor myself 
and and those that I've lost in the grief that I'm feeling. Um, so the ritual that I had written um, to honor a, a departed loved one was thinking specifically about my dog, who we found out at this time last year that she had terminal cancer, and then and then she passed away a couple months later. So there's there's just this heaviness that I think surrounds this time of year. Um, and so a lot of the rituals that I'm doing at this time um, tie into grief. Um, and I think grief is really important in ritual because so much of what we've talked about with ritual is that it's tied into self-care and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me to, to feel a little bit less of the pain that I feel during this time of year or any time of year um, Mm -hmm. in that I'm, I'm putting that pain into something and I'm also doing something to memorialize the, the thing that I'm, I'm missing. So for instance, I'm sitting at my altar right now and I'm staring at a photo of my grandmother that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I keep her up on my, my altar year round because it's important for me to remember her and feel connected to her. Um, And, uh, I think that ritual can be something as, you know, funerals obviously are, and, fu- and, and death practices around the world are very much tied to ritual. And I think that that's because it helps us feel a little bit better. It helps us feel like we're taking care of ourselves, but we're also honoring those that we've lost. Um, I actually was reading an article. Um, let me see if I can find it. I was reading an article on Scientific America specifically Mm -hmm. about rituals and loss. Um, And it said that rituals performed after experiencing losses from loved ones to lotteries do alleviate grief and rituals performed before high pressure tasks like singing in public do in fact reduce anxiety, increase people's confidence. So I thought it was just really interesting Mm -hmm. that it's it's kind of tying into all that we've been talking about that um, it can can help with anxiety. It can help with coping with sadness. and um, I also something else that I've I've done that ties into grief that I think is really a really simple and great ritual that folks can do, especially in a time where, you know, there's so much that's out of our control. And that's something that um, rituals really helping me to feel like I have some sense of power in a situation, whether it's mm-hmm. politically, whether it's with, you know, COVID, whatever it is, losing people. Um, all of these things that are outside of our own control, um, that ritual can help find power in that moment. Um, and so one thing that I've done in the past, I haven't done it yet this year, but I probably will at some point, is um, when there's something like uh, like mass casualties in some way mm-hmm. or like a big accident or something, I will often use a ritual to honor the people that have been lost. Um, and it can be something as simple, like I'll take a, a paper plate, for instance, mm-hmm. and on the back of it, um, I will write the names of all of those people. If I have their birth dates, I'll put those down just to help connect it. And then on the, on the part of the plate where you would actually eat, um, I put a candle in the middle, usually like mm-hmm. something as small, like a birthday candle or just something that will, or a tea light, something that will burn fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And around the candle, I'll create a circle of words that are um, words that I want to send to these people. Or I did this for my grandmother a couple years ago when she passed. All of the things I wanted her to know. And then you can draw arrows um, ar- 
with the words that either go out if you want to send those words out. So if I wanted to send them to my grandmother, I'd send them out mm -hmm. or things I might want to bring into myself. So some examples of words would be, um, you know, peace. And so maybe that's something in this case, if I'm talking about my grandmother a couple years ago, I wanted her to have peace, but I also wanted peace myself. So you can mm -hmm. have arrow go both ways. Um, okay. It could be, you know, forgiveness. It could be, uh, uh, what else? trying to think of other words, but all different types of words. And this is even a ritual you can do on a daily basis if you wanted to, where you could just check in with yourself. And so on the bottom of the plate, you'd write your name and birth date, and then you can write all of the words for how you're feeling in this moment. Um, I usually try to keep it to one or two words. So anxious, scared, tired, excited, whatever it is. And then you can actually read where the wax, um, once the candles burned out, where the wax has gone um, and see if it's really pulling towards certain words that maybe you have more work you need to do there, um, which could also be a good way to lead you into knowing what kind of ritual work you might need to do on a specific like topic. That's interesting. I haven't heard that one. That's really cool. Yeah, I try to do a version of that. Um, in any of the, the occult-based classes I'm teaching, um, where I'll have every student say a word just for how they're feeling in that moment. And then we look at it at the end and see if maybe, because usually people repeat some words mm -hmm. and then you can kind of see in a group of like, oh, well, maybe we're all pulling towards um, words like anxiety or stress, or maybe mm -hmm. we're, we're actually pulling towards words about um, like setting new intentions and starting fresh. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it's a mixture. And so it's it's a really interesting way to use a candle um, and to also um, get in tuned with yourself. Yeah, I think that would, I mean, I don't think we do it enough. I'm always trying to find ways to like get, figure out how I'm feeling, like what's my starting line in the beginning of the day, especially. But you going back, you spoke a little bit about, especially during this time that we were living such moments of extreme duality. We can both be in deep grief and feel profound love simultaneously. And then that's, I mean, it, it's the human experience certainly, but it also causes a little bit of chaos. Like how do I step out into the world feeling these two completely opposing ideas or feelings? Um, and I think what you're speaking to is that through these processes, we're better able to give a space and a voice and a material entity to these, these feelings that feel so opposite. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a way to, to start to navigate the, this, um, this chaos or like this, this like rupture that you're experiencing inside yourself mm -hmm. and with the world. Um, mm -hmm that it can help you to, to find some healing and some grounding during a, a, a chaotic time. Yeah, because we could, we could see the, the crumbling of the edifice, right, of everything really now, um, the earth, politics, the country. Um, at the same time, we could still hold out hope that a beautiful thing is being birthed. There's the falling of the old and the birthing of the new um, that is, also, during this time, what we're speaking on about Samhain and all those rituals, it's the letting go of what no longer serves us. Um, and I think through these practices, we work on the microcosm, but we also are 
are working on the macrocosm. Right? It's our little bit of Earth, right? <laughs> that we could that we could work with, um, and I think that's really powerful thing yeah. to do individually. Absolutely. And I just wanted to just because you touched on it that at this time of year, it's great to think about ritual um, following the cycles that the earth does, because, yes, the, the leaves are falling and starting to die, um, but everything's going to be reborn. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, for instance, people always get are afraid when they pull the death card in the tarot deck. And I I actually really like pulling the death card in the tarot deck because mm -hmm. I'm like, OK, great let's get rid of what isn't working right now and let's start anew. So this time is, is it's, it's exactly that. It's like release what isn't serving you and then start to take the steps to see what might be a better fit for you and what you can accomplish moving forward. Which is terrifying for most people. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not saying it's but, scary. So I think this, this container and ritual, it helps us kind of maneuver a little bit through it without it being, because change is, is almost always scary. Yes. Um, even if it's good change, even if it's like you just won the lotto and you finally get your mansion in in Europe or whatever it is, you're still like, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, before we go, um, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about your book, She's a Beast. Um, I haven't read it, but I can't wait to read it. Um, what? Uh, did you perform any ritual to get you um, started to writing the book? Or did you always have this idea for this book um, and ritual was just a natural um, next step? So uh, I'll tell you just really quickly what the book's about. So She is a Beast is an illustrated book um, featuring feminist fairy tales. Um, the majority of them are reimaginings of tales we know, things like Cinderella, Rapunzel, and then there are two in the collection that are um, very much exist in that fairy tale world we know, but they're not directly linked to one. Um, and I started writing the very first story in the collection, actually at a writing conference when I was in grad school. And I wouldn't say there was any particular ritual involved in it. It was, um, in that moment, it was just being in the right moment and feeling that spark of inspiration and just putting pen to paper. Uh, but since I, it's been about five years that I've been working on this book, um, my ritual has definitely changed and my, my writing ritual has definitely evolved. Um, so for the last probably three or so years, I've been, my writing has been very clearly connected with ritual. So um, my altar is also my desk because I feel like magic is a very creative thing. So I have all of these, um, I have the photo of my grandmother. I have like all of these like trinkets and things that I make me happy and make me feel inspired. Mm -hmm. um, so that when I sit down in this place, I know I'm going to manifest something, whether it's a spell or whether it's a piece of writing. Mm -hmm. um, and so for once I knew that this was actually going to become a book, because originally I was just writing stories for it, I dressed a candle specifically for the book um, set a mantra for this project. Um, and every time I was working on it, I would say that mantra, I would light the candle and I would get to work. Um, and so I found that um, making my writing more ritualized has manifested so much for me. I literally cannot tell, like stress enough how much I think that, um, that it helps because 
not only do I actually believe in magic and sending out this energy and this intention into the universe, because I very much believe in that, but it also helped me to be much more productive because I'm not sitting on like Pinterest and on Facebook and whatever, because when I come to my desk and when that candle is lit, I'm working. And so it helped me to, to finish a book. It helped me get ready to submit a book. Um, and I think it ultimately helped me get the book um, accepted for publication because I was just actively all of the time thinking about this intention and working towards manifesting it. It's also very practical, right? You're create, you're, you created a ritual and there's the magic aspect of it, but there's also the habitual aspect of it, right? Because being a writer, half the problem is being able to sit at your desk, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> getting to the desk. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and the nice thing about it, too, is especially using something like a candle and having a mantra for a project is maybe today a desk feels too confining for me. I take my candle. I go in another room, right? And then I can just, if I if that feels like being outside or being at my kitchen table or wherever it is feels more, um, I feel more in tune to that that's fine. I can get in the right headspace and work. Um, but I do find that um, that having my desk and having it feel very sacred, like a sacred space mm -hmm. to me, helps me to produce more. But I like that you, since you created this ritual around it, it also makes your sacred space mobile. Yes. Which is also <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, it definitely, it definitely is. You're also making me want to buy a desk because I've been putting it off and I've been writing and doing stuff all over the house. <laughs> well, it's but also good for carpal tunnel. I could say <laughs> I spend a lot of time like on my couch doing things and, mm -hmm. and I feel it in my wrists. So it also helps with posture and everything to have a desk. <laughs> That's awesome. You also, um, I didn't mention at the top of the interview, but you also have this wonderful podcast. I was hoping before we go that you could speak a little bit on that. Yeah. So um, about a year ago, I started a podcast called Witch Path uh, with my friend Alyssa. And uh, we essentially uh, are like following our own and chronicling our own journey down what we call witch path. Um, but also uh, each episode focuses on a specific topic. So um, we cover all of the witches holidays. Um, I think I saw the last one I saw was the true crime one. What was the one that you're um, announcing now? The next uh, we have, so we have two episodes coming out. The first one will be out on Samhain and that one is, um, it's really just telling ghost stories, which is a lot of fun um, and talking about our plans for Samhain. And then the next one is on sacrifices. Um, and we have some very creepy true crime uh, stuff for that episode. It's, uh, the true crime, it's in the United States? Um, uh, kind of all over. It oh. just depends on, um, in this case, they are, these cases are in the United States, but sometimes, sometimes we're looking abroad as well. Interesting. Very cool. Um, and do you have any offers coming up that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah. Um, so uh, my next offering that I'm personally doing is um, I'm teaching a writing workshop on reimagining myth. Um, so we'll be looking at um, reimaginings that contemporary writers have done. Um, they may be feminist reimaginings or just taking a myth, um, something like Medusa and doing something fresh with it. And then we'll be working on writing our own. 
Um, and that's on November 17th. It's via Zoom. Um, and you can find out more information about it at anovelideafilly.com slash events. Um, and then I'll just mention that the bookstore that I own, A Novel Idea, does a series of um, occult-based uh, workshops and offerings. Um, and one thing that we offer every month, which is a really great way to just meet new people um, mm -hmm. and grow our witchy community, is called Witches Circle, which is a suggested donation event that happens on the last Sunday of every month, um, where we just get together um, and talk about whatever's going on, whether it's ritual, whether it's just talking about, you know, how we're doing emotionally, <laughs> safe space to come together and connect. Awesome. And that's in person or online? That's online. We're doing everything for now in terms of events online. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to do them in person. Not too long. All of us. <laughs> yeah. I'm missing people too in person. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, well, I thank you so much. This I really enjoyed this conversation, and I can't wait to try your ritual for the dearly departed. And I now I'm really interested in candle magic. I'm, I've oh, only practiced <laughs> once or twice, but I think I need to add some more candle magic to my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, hope to talk to you very soon. Yeah.